So guys, it's great to be with you on this kind of first, first Advent, first of December. And um, today, we're starting off our Christmas series, and today's called Christmas is Coming. This Christmas, we're going to be focusing on the rawness and the realness of Jesus. He's calling us as a community, as a church community, to go on this journey with him, just to approach him closer. To look past in this season that the warm, fuzzy, lovely glitz of Christmas, which I love, I love all that stuff, but look past that and gaze into his face. Look at the true light of Christmas and challenge ourselves in that light, in the true message of what Christmas is. So he's calling us as a church community to treasure that heartbeat of Christmas, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. God with us, that it wouldn't be just another phrase or another line in a carol, but it would be the heartbeat that takes us in and onwards into 2020. Emmanuel, God with us, and all the ramifications that the truth of that statement has for each of us as an individual, and also for us as a church, that God is with us. Today is called Christmas is Coming. Christmas heralds new things. Christmas brings new challenge, joy, transformation. We're going to look at the light of God coming into the world in this message. So we're going to look at the light, the coming light. But also that he doesn't leave, does he? He doesn't just bring some light and then go. He comes and he stays, that he's the coming sun. The Son of God stays and dwells with men. This new life for humanity that has now come into the world. That now there's this new, this coming life that we now get to live in because of him. So they're the three things we're going to go through today. So firstly, the coming light. Isaiah 2, 6 to 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is a prophecy by Isaiah that was written 700 years or more than that before the birth of Jesus. For generations, the Jews had known this. For generations, the Jews had known and foretold of one who would come, who would bring light to a dark world. Verse 2 immediately challenges us. Verse 2 is very challenging. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Because Christmas challenges the whole of humanity. Because it says, we can't do it. It says, we can't do it. You know, this Christmas, you listen, you watch the TV, you watch the marketing. Many worldly messages about Christmas is about our ability to do it. Our ability, they're about a light that's within ourselves, a goodness in humanity to fix the problems of the world. But that is not the biblical Christmas story. It's not the story we see in the Bible. No amount of human unity, 
No amount of human love, no amount of technological advancement and intellectual achievement can bring the light the world so desperately needs. Couldn't do it. Christmas is a testimony of humanity's desperate need. It's the biggest serving of humble pie that we ever get given, that humanity ever receives. I don't know if you guys have ever been given a gift and there seems to be some like ulterior motive within the gift. Maybe it's a book, you know, you get given a book, a how-to book. Maybe someone gives me a book, how to preach better and shorter. Something like that. Oh, thank you. How to be a better friend. You know, you get given from your friend. There's something in that. You've got to be humble to receive it well. So I don't know if you've ever had to receive a lot of money. There's a humility. You have to be, okay, I really need that. And there's a humility that we need to accept it. Well, Christmas is just like that. God the Father gives God the Son. So it is an act of grace that we receive Jesus into the world by grace. And we receive him into our lives by grace, not by earning it. See, humanity never earned Christmas. Humanity never deserved Christmas. We needed it. We needed Christmas. And God gave freely. Christmas says, hey guys, humanity, no matter how hard you try, you will not see light dawn upon the world, right? No political system, nothing in the world, no matter how clever you are, will bring light to the darkness. We live now, today, still, in a very dark world, just as it's always been. We've got murder, slavery, hatred, heartache, brokenness, like could go on and on and on in these things. There is, a great, there is a great darkness that none of the developments of humanity, no science, no achievements have been able to eradicate. So in many cases, humanity's attempts to bring the light and make things right have ended up making things worse. But 2,000 years ago, a light did dawn. And Matthew says that the light is not from within us, it's not from within humanity, it's not from within the world, but has dawned upon us, dawned upon us. Matthew 4, 16 says, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them light has dawned. On them light has dawned. Not from within them the light came, or God made us really good, but on them light has dawned. See, that light is Jesus. It's this beautiful picture of the light bringer descending into darkness to find his lost treasure into the mess and the dirt of this world is where he came into and he took hold of us and he draws us into his light and puts his light inside us and the world will never be the same again and that means we can never be the same again when his light has dawned upon our hearts we can never be the same again John 1 9 to 11 says the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world he was in the world and the world was made through him yet the world did not know him jesus is the coming light he is god he is ruler he brings his light at christmas into the darkness 
that we had no power to enlighten. But here's the challenge. Here's a challenge and here's the beauty of Christmas that he transforms us, a broken and lost people whose light is insufficient to bring light to the world. He transforms us and he puts upon us and within us his light. And he calls us then to a different life. To be the people we could never be outside of him. To be the light bringers. To be the dawn makers. To be the ones that shine his light into the darkness of the world. Matthew 5, 14 to 16 says, You are the light of the world. Amazing. This is the statement by the one who said that we were living in complete darkness. Now he's saying that he's come, that you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Let your light, what's your light? Before your light was not good enough to see any transformation, but now he's put his light in with, within you. You reflect him and your light reflects his light. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Guys, do you know what that means? Jesus calls us to live as he lived. To live as he lived. He brought light to the darkness to reveal the glory of the Father. We too are called to be those light bringers into the darkness. What does that mean practically? What does that look like practically, not just conceptually? It means that our lives reflect his light. That we actively kick out the darkness that we move forward, that we step through the darkness, that through you, darkness in the world, in other people's lives, is pushed back. Whether maybe that's a lie that you've believed or someone else has believed and you speak truth over them, or you've got the prophetic word to break that thing, or maybe it is there in fear and you're bringing peace to the fear, you're bringing love to that, or anxiety or sickness. You're bringing the peace, you're seeing the healing come, or brokenness, or hate, or anger, and you're seeing his light come into the world. But you partner with the Holy Spirit, you're led by him, and you see his light come. Too often, we tolerate the darkness that's around us, hide, us, hide the light a little bit, so we don't interfere with the darkness. But we shouldn't. Let our light shine. And you know, that's our vision, isn't it, as church, that we would be here, the family of God, here in Hong Kong. The family of God shines out his light. That's what we want to be. It's that vision as well, that picture of harbour, that we shine to those who are in calamity, and they see this light, and they come to us as a refuge. They come to this place, not because we can be their refuge, but they see the light of God in this place, and they come to us because they know God is there. My prayer is that as we go into 2020, we would be these light bringers, we would be these dawn makers, these people who let our light shine, that people would see his light in our lives, and because of that, glorify God. So Jesus brings this light into the world, but he doesn't just leave again, does he? 
He doesn't just come with some glory power, zoom, turn on a light bulb and see you later, boom, and he's gone. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't just come as God in power on the clouds. He comes as a baby and stays because his heart is to be God with us. Emmanuel, not a far off God, but a God dwelling in the heart of his people. So Christmas changed everything. That very first Christmas, God was now among men because the sun was coming. The coming son. Matthew 1, 18 to 23 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph son of david do not fear to take mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the holy spirit she will bear a son and you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins and this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, quite often people forget that Joseph had an experience with an angel and just think it's the shepherds and Mary. Joseph had one too. Joseph is planning to break off the engagement, right? He probably at some point through this, he's thinking, Mary's cheated on him. Mary's either, because he knows he hasn't had sex with her, right? That she's, if she's pregnant, okay, that she's probably cheated on him. She's coming to him with this lame story about uh, an angel appeared to me and told me God's put a baby inside me. And he's just not really on board with that. But he wants to look after her and he's, he's saying, okay, I'm going to divorce her quietly. So this angel appears to Joseph and the angel tells Joseph something significant about the baby in Mary's womb. That the baby is God. That he's human, but that he is Emmanuel, God with us. That Jesus is God. Matthew makes it clear that Jesus isn't just some great human teacher, but that he's God. Verse 20 says that the father of the baby is God. Verse 23 quotes Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. That, this is something so strange to the Jews. Very strange. And that Matthew here isn't writing popular culture that's kind of relevant literature here. The Jews, they had known this prophecy from Isaiah for, for years, for over 700 years they'd known it. But no one thought it was literal. They thought that it would be figurative of a ruler who would come, a strong ruler that would come and, and bring godly rule back to the land. But the Bible, it says, no, 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 it's better than that. It's better than that, greater, more wonderful than anyone had ever thought. Jesus is God. Not a good human teacher, not just a good human leader, but God. That the child in Mary's womb was literally God with us. The creator God, the one through whom all things that have been made were made. The one without beginning, Jesus, condensed into a baby. It's the most amazing miracle in the whole Bible. 
God in the form of a baby. It's an amazing statement coming from a Jew like Matthew. And it isn't just Matthew that says this. Peter's a Jew. John's a Jew. The Jews didn't see God as being able to be human. Look, Eastern religions of the time, they saw God as this overarching kind of divine force and filled all sorts of things. You know, so you get a rock that's divine, could be God or a person could be God. So it's okay, open to them. The Western religions of the time, those guys, um, if you know your Greek mythology and things like that, then actually they really believed that the God sometimes came in human form. And so, do you remember in Lystra, in Acts 14, where, where Paul and Barnabas go and there they pray for a guy and everyone comes out, they want to kill a cow and sacrifice a cow to them because they all think it, they're Zeus and Hermes. Okay, so it's really open to the Western religions of the time that God could be a man. But to the Jews, it was so almost offensive to consider God as a human because they believed in a personal, infinite God, not within creation, but a creator that was outside creation, outside time and space itself. Their whole worldview was opposed to the notion that a human could be God. They wouldn't even say the name of God, right? They had an acronym. And now we have this baby. And Matthew's writing that he is God. It's incredible. Paul, also a Jew, he wrote this about Jesus, Colossians 2.9. He said, for in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Try and get your mind around that. The fullness of the almighty God, the beginningless one, dwells. The fullness of him, not just a bit of him, not a bit of his divinity, but the fullness of deity dwells within Christ. Amazing. Second Peter 1.1 1, 1, Second half of that verse says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter, he's, he's walked with Jesus. He's lived with Jesus. He's an eyewitness, isn't he? He's there the whole time. He knows this guy. He, he, he's done life with him, but he's writing about him that he's God, that he is God. But more than that, Jesus says he's God. You know, if all his followers said he's God, but he never said he was, then we've got some questions. But Jesus said he's God. I'm going to read you some things. Does, listen to this, because sometimes people will say to you, I think Jesus is just a great human teacher. You can point out these verses and say, well, if he was, it was completely nuts. Because this stuff, does it sound like a good human teacher? Does it sound like someone who's completely nuts? Or does it sound like God himself? Matthew eleven twenty seven to twenty eight. Jesus said, "All things that have, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him." Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Jesus is saying, you want peace in your life. You want rest in your life. You, you want Sabbath. I am the Sabbath bringer. I will give you rest. John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. They're not the words of just a clever teacher. If Jesus isn't God, he's completely nuts. 
Before Abraham was, I am. That he, he doesn't just say that he was before someone who lived nearly a thousand, a thousand years before him or over a thousand years before him. He also says he refers to himself with the name of God. I am. I am. See, if Jesus isn't God, then he's nuts or he's got these delusional ideas of grandeur. But I don't believe that the world was changed for the better. I don't believe light has flooded this world and transformed this world and made it a lighter place accidentally because of some of the words of some nutter. I believe that he is the son of God. And I believe that Christmas changed everything. That Christmas changed everything. See, God is with us. God is with us. And if that's true, which I believe it is, it must transform our lives. It must transform our understanding of absolutely everything because it changes everything. We, cannot, we can't live apathetically towards the Son of God, the one whom angels heralded his coming, the one born of that greatest, most amazing miracle, God with us. It demands a response of the whole world. It must also, guys, challenge us as believers. Because in Christmas, we see the one who gave it all for us. And so we are challenged to live all for him. In Christmas, there is a new life that's coming into the world. A new life that men prior to that could not live in. A new life, a new life prior to that men couldn't live in and weren't called to live in. But now this life is available to all mankind. The lastly, the coming life. This is this new life that we get to live in today. See, Christmas transforms and challenges our lives because of, the, because of who Jesus claims to be. That he claims to be God with us. We can no longer live as we wish. You know, the only logical response to the claim of Christmas, that God Almighty came to earth to rescue us and was born as a baby, is on bended knee, come before him and just say, Lord, lead me. Lord, lead me. I, for me personally, I so very rarely just get on my knees physically, but just being there, just saying, you're the King of Kings, you're the Lord of Lords, lead me. Philippians 2, 5 to 11 says this, says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Think about this. Jesus sat on his throne, didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every, every, every knee should bow. Guys, is your knee bowed today to the King of Glory? Are you listening on the podcast? Is your knee bowed today to the King of Glory? If it isn't, you can make that choice right now. 
Just say, Jesus, I choose to follow you. I bow the knee to you. I give you my life. I choose to follow you today. We'll give, have a moment at the end where we, can, where we pray for that as well. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Paul calls believers to bow the knee to the incarnate Christ. To make him Lord, to give him total lordship. That means total control. That means total obedience to him. We should also be imitators of our Lord. Why should he live one way and we should just live a different way? We should be imitators of our Lord. So Jesus became nothing. God the Son put aside his glory, his throne. He was humbled. He was obedient to the Father and was born as a baby to a poor family. He could have been born into a castle, couldn't he? He could have been born into a palace. But he was born to a poor family in a stable. He was so humble, the king of glory, who became a baby. And sometimes people don't think of the practicalities. So he became a baby, he needed to be changed. He would have pooed himself, wouldn't he? Think about it, he would have. He would have had to have learned to walk every struggle his legs would have hurt when they grew every struggle that we go through in our lives he will have experienced although I'm not sure if he had to change a nappy that's also that's a challenge um, but he was so humbled see the bible says that he wasn't beautiful that he he he, he didn't seek power he didn't seek the beautiful. He didn't seek glitz, did he? He sought after those that the world had rejected. Those who had no status. Those who had no power. Those who had no beauty. But you know, thank goodness that's his heart. Thank goodness that's who he is. Because that's the very heart of Christmas itself. Because we, humanity, were distorted and broken and ugly, living in this messy darkness, undeserving of his love and tenderness, undeserving of the Holy One to even turn his face towards us, to consider us, to be mindful of our trials, let alone treasure us to the point where he comes and he is born, that he brings himself to our level because we can never get ourselves to his level. And he raises us up by dying for us on a cross so that in him we can be raised to new life. See, there is a great challenge in Christmas that we remember and we reflect his attitude to people in brokenness and darkness. That he didn't desire that power and wealth and glory of the throne room of heaven, but instead he desired you. He desired you more than that. And he chose a stable over a palace. That's the Christmas spirit right there. See, Christianity is unique in the world religions because no other world religion says that God is courageous because no other God needs courage. But Christmas took courage. God needed courage because Christmas is this beautiful act of courage because out of Christmas, everything else that was to happen, happened all for our sake. All for our sake. See, Christmas calls us to have courage, to live courageously. Courage to lay down our right to self, just as he did, just as he did. See, the angel tells Joseph, doesn't he? Says to Joseph, you will name him Jesus. He'll be called Jesus. 
In that culture, it was the father's prerogative to name the child. That gave the child ownership and lordship over the child. But Joseph was challenged right there, right at the beginning, before Jesus is even born. You won't rule this child. This child will rule you. And that is the case with the Christian life. But so often, we want Jesus on our terms. So often we want Jesus just on our terms, that he gives us some good guidelines and then we can determine how we lead our lives. We can often fall into the trap of making him advisor and forget that we actually made him Lord. Because you see, kings have advisors and if he's your advisor, then you're the king. So don't fall into that trap of just having him as your advisor. We need to bow the knee and make him Lord. Christmas challenges that. Christmas, like Isaiah writes, is about the coming king whose government will be on his shoulders, that his kingdom will have no end. And Paul reminds us in that verse we read in Philippians that every knee must bow, that everyone needs to be led by him. So if we really get that, if we really understand Christmas, how else can we respond except lead me, Lord, lead me, Lord? Romans 8.14. We've done this verse a lot this year. It's been one of the verses that keeps coming up. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Is that not our vision? Is that not the vision of the church, to be the family of God here in this place? That we would be his children and live as his children. Well, how are we going to live like that if we refuse to let him lead us? If we don't let him lead us, if, if we won't let ourselves be led? Much of, the, much of the Bible speaking about Christ coming into the world, it's all about him leading us, that we're following him. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. John 14, 6. Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Even starting our journey in Christian faith is about following him, that he's the way. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow. So we're called to a life following Jesus, not trying to get him to follow us. But that often means saying no to self. We live in a world where this kind of self-determination, self-actualization is a kind of idol. It's a big one. Self-assertion is core to much of our modern culture. And Christmas challenges that, calls us into rebellion against that. Luke 9, 23 says, And he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, deny self, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Do whatever makes you happy and doesn't hurt anyone. That's a truism of our time, isn't it? It's a phrase that's said so often, people believe it's true, but it's not what Christmas shouts. It's not what Christmas shouts from a stable. See, walking against the cultural line, denying yourself, seems crazy. People will think you're crazy. People thought Jess and I were nuts coming here, listening to the word of God, believing God, following him instead of following an expat package and an assured job. Nothing wrong with doing that if that's where God's leading you into. But it's this life of adventure being led by God. I can testify that it's not always easy, but it is a beautiful and full life. 
that he, and he will lead you into fullness of life. We've had seasons where there's been a lot, seasons when there's been a little. But it's awesome and it's an adventure. So we aren't in Hong Kong because we thought, oh, we want to go to Hong Kong and live in Hong Kong. And so we went there and tried to work it out. We're here because he called us here. And so we followed him here. And he's unfolded our lives in this place. And it's been beautiful. See, Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, lay down our lives and follow him. But also the beautiful promise in that, Matthew 16, 25, says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. It's the secret to a fullness of life, really living. It's being led by him. And it doesn't always mean it's difficult. So it, can, like, it can be just smooth sailing. Well, it doesn't mean it's always going to be smooth sailing. See, Joseph and Mary, they were asked a big ask. If you really think what well, God's asking them, a big ask. See, Jesus is born less than nine months after the wedding, isn't he? You know what I'm saying? Okay. They lived in a shame culture. They would have been ridiculed and had a stigma on them for the rest of their lives. People would have thought they had this premarital affair or, or something else. But because of the judgment of men, they would have lived with that stigma over them all their lives. And God, even though it's not true, but that's what God's calling them into. See, some places in the world, following Jesus is dangerous and can cost your life. For us here in Hong Kong and many other places in the world, can mean being ridiculed, can mean being scorned. But if we want that life of God with us, we have to be willing to deny ourselves and follow him. Count the cost in that. See, very often walking with Jesus, living with God, means you get faced with that choice, him or you, his way, or maybe the world's way, which, or just another way. And before long, Joseph said yes to God, didn't he? He said yes to God, I'm going to follow you. And before long, Joseph is running for his life. Why? Because God was with him. God was with him. Remember, they fled to Egypt. It's a beautiful adventure. And my heart is that for us as a church in 2020, we're going to see this explosion amongst us in the raw beauty and realness of our relationship with Jesus, just coming face to face with him, being led by him, maybe being led by him in some of the big overarching, okay, this is where we're going, this is what we're going to do, but be led by him just in the middle of the day, sharing your faith. Yeah, it may be challenged, challenging. Just go out, pray for, pray for the sick. I feel a prophetic word for this person, just normally and naturally go share that word because you're being led by him, not by something else. I can, what I mean by led by something else, sometimes, and I hold my hand up to this, sometimes I'm led by fear and not by him. But I've got to make a choice not to be led by fear in what they may think or if something doesn't happen, but by be led by him and what he's saying, and have faith that what he's saying is actually what's going to happen. My heart is that we'd be light bringers. Light bringers where there's darkness. And that usually means living differently in the darkness. Because, you know, light and dark are pretty, pretty different. And to live differently in the darkness, very often it means we've got to be willing to count the cost, willing to deny ourselves and step into that and follow Jesus. See, the darkness is where he wants to go because it's where he always has been going. 
who first came to the darkness at that first Christmas here, brought you into his light and said that to, of, of us that we are now in the world, but we're not of the world, and that, he would, that he's with us, that he wouldn't forsake us, and calls us to go back into the darkness, to shine our light into the darkness. See, that is living out our vision as family and harbour in this place, being the family of God here in Hong Kong, that the light of this place will be a signal to those who are in the storms of life that this is a place of rest, of peace, of fullness of life. Not because we're amazing, which we are. Not because we've got a slick setup and great teams, which we have. But because God is with us. God is with us. The people would come in this place and say, God is here amongst you. That Emmanuel, Emmanuel. And that we're a people who've taken hold of that and are willing to count the cost, like he counted the costs, and step out into the darkness as he did, and that we will follow him into it. Sir, uh, sir can I invite you to come back up? We're going to go into a response time now, guys. Um, so just at, just at the start of Advent, as we kind of go on this journey towards Christmas, with all the lights and the treats and the wonders and the fun stuff and the excitement and the quizzes and all sorts of things like that, I want to challenge you guys to take hold of this truth that Christmas is about God with us. Have the courage to be led by him. Meditate on it this Christmas, that our 2020 would be this powerful life of stepping out with him. That his light would shine through you as you step out to work wonders, to pray for healing, to speak life over the broken, to give generously, and all, the way, and all the ways that we could practically walk out this life bringing light into the darkness. Guys, if you're here today and you're listening to the podcast or you're listening to the podcast and you, you want to start this journey with Jesus, we're just going to pray now. I want I'd invite you, pray after me. And then we're going to go into a bit of, a bit of prayer time. So if that's you today and you want to receive Jesus, whether you're here or on the podcast, just say, the, say this after me. Jesus, thank you for coming at that first Christmas. Thank you for paying the price for my sin on the cross. I believe that you are God the Son. That you're my saviour. I bend my knee to you today. I choose to make you Lord of my life today. I choose to follow you today and from this day forward. Lead my life, Lord. In your name. Amen. Guys, as everyone's eyes are closed, if you're here and you prayed that, can you just pop your, pop your hand in the air? And... If you're on the podcast and you prayed that, please do connect. Please send a, a message in. We'd love to connect with you, support you.
So guys, we'll just go into a moment of prayer. If you would like prayer specifically, please just have your hands in your lap, palms facing up, and someone will come and pray with you. And then we're going to go into, into our last song before going down. Father God, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for that challenge to be light bringers into the darkness. Lord, I thank you that you came to find us, that you caused your light to dawn upon a world that couldn't find the light within itself. Lord, I thank you that you've transformed us. I thank you for your grace, God. Lord, just as a church, we just lift up Saikung, we lift up Hong Kong to you, God, and all those places where your light needs to permeate and bring, God. Lord, I pray that you set that a light in our heart, God, that we'd recognize it, that we'd see opportunities, God, that we would have the courage to step out, God, that we'd have the, the courage to live that life, sometimes denying ourselves, Lord, that we as a church, God, would be light bringers into the darkness, Lord. In your great and beautiful name.